time, take out your Bibles. You saw them in the, in the, in the seats there if you'd like to. Um, and I'm not going to tell you to turn to a verse because we're going to turn to lots of them. Because I haven't preached on a Sunday morning in a long time. And I didn't sleep last night very much, so I got energy. So we're just going to go for it. Uh, now we're going we're to get all sorts of places. And uh, let's see, with the first one, you can turn to Exodus 29. Exodus 29, that'll be the first, our first stop on the journey. And as you're turning there, I want to tell you this one thing. Ready? One thing. Here we go. God longs to be in relationship with you. God longs to be in relationship with you. God longs to be in relationship with you. See, back when he created the world, Adam and Eve, you know the whole story. God, it says, you walk freely in the garden. Like that was, listen, life was good. It was paradise. How many of you right now, why we live in New Jersey? It's going to get really cold this week, you know that? And it's like, oh, like it's like that cold, like your bones hurt, you know? And how many of you had to scrape ice off your windshield this morning? Yeah, you don't miss that, right? Like, oh, but it was paradise, right? And we know it was paradise because they weren't wearing any clothes and they didn't need them because it was perfect. Like it was just, it was great. Nothing bad at all. And then one day that was all shattered. Right? God gave them one, he had one job, one rule. You can have everything you want, just don't eat anything from this one tree. That was it. Just don't eat from this one tree. And it's an interesting story, right? It sounds like a fairy tale if you go back in time, right? There's a talking snake, right? Because that's normal. And there's this talking snake, and he says to, to, to Adam and Eve, right? Did, did God really say you must not eat of, of the fruit of any of the trees? And of course, that's, that's, a, that's a setup. That's not, what God's, that's not what God said. That was bait. For a trap. Of course God didn't say that. So the woman replies, of course we can eat from the trees. Only the one tree that we can't eat from. Uh, because if we eat from that tree, we're going to die. And the snake replies, you won't die. And if you know the story, technically wasn't lying. Because that fruit was not going to kill them. Right? Eating that was only going to give them information and understanding. And that's what they did. And that's what happened. And here comes the hook. He says, if you eat that, you'll be like God. You'll have all the power he has. And so we know the story. They ate the apple. And that's why we have phones now, because of apple. <laughs> and it's part of the story of evil. Um, no. But there is a bite taken out of it, so you can think about that. I don't know. Um, so they, they, they ate the apple, right? And we know the story now. They become aware and enlightened. And guess what? It wasn't good. It wasn't what they hoped for. And it wasn't the good they expected, and it led them to this thing called shame. And, and their only response, their first response is, okay, now i got to hide. i got to go hide myself. And it led to them having to separate from God. And it broke God's heart. Because God still longs to be in relationship with us. So... He gave the law to Moses, right? So you fast forward the story, and, and he gives the law to Moses, shows up on the mountaintop, gives him all these laws, and says, here's the laws, Moses. The goal here is to help you restore this relationship. I want to be in a relationship with you. But you guys, you know, there's those things in the way, so here's how it's going to work. Exodus, if you're there, Exodus 29, verse 45, and he says this, Then I will live among the people of Israel. If you follow these rules, I will live among the people of Israel, and I will be their God. And they will know that I am the Lord, their God. But the people found the law to be too hard, right? So once again, they're struggling. It's a burden for them. It's just too much for them. And so they continue to be like Adam and Eve. They continue to, 
to break the covenant, but God still longs to be in relationship with him. So he sends his son, Jesus, right? The son who shows us who the father is, came so that we could be restored to relationship. Are you following the pattern? You picked it up, right? Here's a story. And Jesus says, all right, I'm, 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 I'm going to show you how to have a relationship with God again, because God wants to be in relationship with you. But Jesus could only be here for a lifetime. And it was actually an abbreviated one at that. So then he goes to heaven, and guess what? God still longs to be in relationship with you. So he sends his Holy Spirit. And to this day, God continues to welcome all who will come into a personal relationship with him. It's the essence of faith. That's the story of faith right there. I just did it. Three minutes, right? You got the whole thing. You're done. You know it all. That God, the same God who made the heavens and the earth and the same God who gave the law to Moses and the same God who sent his son Jesus and the same God who sent his spirit continually wants to have a relationship with you. That's faith. That's it. It's not that God wants you to do things or that God wants you to uh, go through rituals and that God wants you to sacrifice all these things. No, he wants to know you. God wants to know us. It's that. So let me ask you, with that in mind, why is it so hard for us as people to be in relationship with a good God who longs to be in relationship with us? If, if such a good God wants to be in relationship with us, why is it so hard? Because is it hard or is it easy? You, you guys find like you do everything right, you always get it right, and you always feel like God loves you, and you, you never question him, and you never doubt, you never struggle, and your faith is always right there. Is that everybody, anybody's story? Because if you have, write a book, you'll be rich. <laughs> Serious, I'll read it. Because it's hard to have a relationship with God, and the question is why. Why is it hard? And the answer is actually really, really simple. The implication of that answer is not simple, but the answer itself is simple. And here's the answer. Here's why it's so hard to have a relationship with God. You have an enemy. You have an enemy. There is a force set on stopping you from being in relationship with God. Simple, right? Uh, today, I just want to let you know, it's going to be like dark for a little while, but then it's going to get good at the end. All right, so just stick with me. All right, I just, I just got to set expectation right up front because you're like, man, I haven't been back to church in a while and he's starting with this stuff. Like, I promise you, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. But I want to take a few minutes and we're going to talk about who the enemy is because I'm not sure we understand who the enemy is. And if we don't know who the enemy is, then we don't know who or how to fight. Anybody ever, uh, how many boxing fans? Muhammad Ali, anybody? Right? Okay, so... He, he perfected this move. Um, it's, I will call it the okey-doke. Remember, remember the okey-doke, right? So he would, he would wave his hand in the air, right, and then hit you with the other one, right? Like, I'm going to hit you, going to hit you, right, the okey-doke. He'd, he'd distract you with something, but then get you with something else. And that's what the enemy wants to do to you and to me. He wants to okey-doke us. He wants to get us distracted and fight things that are not our enemies, but that we think are the enemy so that we're not paying attention to the actual enemy. Does that make sense? Okay. So we don't want to get okey-doked. So what do we know about this enemy? And I've got really good news for you. God has given us some amazing intel, like, like better than FBI, CIA, better than any like 
Secret Service. This is like amazing information. Not only has he told us who the enemy is, he has told us what the enemy wants and how the enemy works. It's like the most incredible report. He's handed us basically the adversary's playbook. Teams are going to be playing today, right? Let's go 49ers. Giants, man, what happened? Maybe next year, maybe next year. But there's playbooks for these teams. And what would happen if one team got the other team's playbook? Ooh, quite an advantage. Quite an advantage, right? These are trade secrets. Only, only the Patriots do that, all right? And God has handed us the adversary's playbook. And all we got to do is read the report. It's, it's that simple. So consider this today a, a defense briefing for war. That's what we're going to. It's a briefing, right? We're going to give us information on who is the enemy. And that's what we're talking about first. Who is the enemy? So the first thing we need to clarify is who it isn't, right? Ephesians chapter 6. If you want to turn there, it'll be on the screen as well, I believe. Who is the enemy? Do I have that one in there, Levi? No, I don't. I'm going to read it to you. Here we go. We've been reading this the last few weeks. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says this. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. And he says this, verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Pause. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. So that means you're not fighting against Dave in accounting. And you are not fighting against your grumpy neighbor. You're not fighting against your ex. You are not fighting against people. It's not to say people can't hurt you, because they can. It's not to say people don't intend to harm you, because some do. But it's to say they are not the adversary you need to worry about. They should not be occupying your attention. You can't be pouring your energy into figuring out how to win against people, because that will be wasted effort, and you will get okie-doked. If you spend your time trying to beat people, flesh and blood, you are getting fooled. They are not your enemy. That's what the report says. I'm just telling you what it says, okay? Here it continues. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. It continues. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So here's the thing. Your enemy is spiritual in nature, which means you can't see them. You can't see them. You have no idea what they are like, and you never will. Not as long as you inhabit this body. You can't see your enemies. You don't know what they look like. Here's what else you need to know about the enemy. They have real power. They are mighty powers, right? Jesus equated the enemy to a strong man, rules this world with limitations, but has genuine power. All we can really know is that the enemy is evil Whatever is good, they want the opposite. All right, that's what you need to know about the enemy. They're bad. Bad. <laughs> right? And honor Pastor Dre. Everybody say bad. Bad. Right? They're bad. Here we go. Peter found this out in a pretty rough way. If, you know, Peter was one of Jesus' followers, right, his disciples. And as Jesus was head of the cross, Peter has this conversation with him. Jesus is like struggling. He's, he knows he's going to this. He's struggling with it. He, it's, it's coming. It's, you can, he's feeling the weight of it. And Peter says, you know, you don't have to do this. You can do it a different way. There must be some other way we can do this. You don't have to go to the cross, right? And it's hugely tempting for Jesus because who wants to suffer on the cross, right? 
And so Jesus says to Peter this uh, a wonderfully encouraging quote. He says, get behind me, Satan. You ever say that to your... Don't say that to somebody else. <laughs> you call somebody Satan. See, Satan is the name we most associate with the enemy, yes? We, Satan, you think of Satan, you don't think good. Anybody think good thoughts? You think Satan? Like, no, no, no. It's an interesting term, actually, because it's Hebrew. It's a Hebrew word, and it comes in either a verb or a noun form. The verb form means to uh, oppose as an adversary. And the noun form means to be the adversary. So you can either come, you can either come you know, oppose someone in a verb form, or if you're the noun, if, you, if that's you, right, you are an adversary. But it's interesting because in the Old Testament, that word wasn't attributed to like a person that was to many people. So like actually King David was called a Satan because he was the adversary of certain people groups. Anybody that would, they, they'd use that word to describe somebody who just had an adversarial uh, position to someone. So Jesus was telling Peter, you are standing opposed. You are being an adversary to what is good and right. That's what he's saying. He's not saying you are the devil. He's saying, but you are doing something that is opposing everything that is good. Right? And it's not to say there isn't a being out there that has a big S that we call Satan. Uh, Peter clearly identified there's a leader. Jesus said that throughout times. First Peter 5.8, Peter says this, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil, right? Like there's this guy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we know we've got enemies. We know that they're spiritual, that they got power. We also know what the end game is for the enemy. This is the best part. The enemy loses utterly, absolutely. It's terrible. Destruction, powerlessness, humiliation, thrown into eternal fire, doomed to eternity of suffering. <laughs> it's bad for the enemy. It's, so we've been talking about this principle of now, not yet fully, if you've been listening to our messages or here, right, that the promise that we have is, is a now but not yet fully promise. Well, guess what? The, the destruction, the end of the, of the enemy is also a now but not yet fully. The enemy is defeated, though not yet fully. He's defeated, it's over, it's decided, and that will be finished on the day of all days, the day of salvation, the enemy will be defeated for good once and for all. That's really what Revelation tells us, that in the end, this is how it's going to go. So with that in mind, how does the enemy work? If that's who the enemy is, how does the enemy work? This is where it gets really cool. In 2 Corinthians, we're told this, in order that Satan might not outwit us, right, we are not unaware of his schemes. God is giving us all the secrets. He says, I'm going to open the playbook for you and let you know exactly how the enemy tries to come for you. It's like in a thumb war. He's saying, watch out, that guy likes sneak attacks. Right, just watch out. So I've got scripture references for all this, but I'm not going to get into them because there's way too many. I might share them later if anybody is interested in sort of just some background information about all of this. But for now, I just want to give you the basics. Ready? So here we go. He's called the father of lies, so the number one tool or attack of the enemy is called deception. It's deception. So remember, this is a briefing. We're going to war. Here's briefing, getting you ready, right? The enemy is going to try and trick you, that things will rarely be what they seem. That's what's going to happen, master of deception. The enemy will stop at nothing to try to separate you from God, but you have to remember, right, the enemy can't stop you from anything. 
He's going to try everything, but he can't stop you from anything. The enemy cannot take anything from you that you will not give. Whatever is yours is yours. Enemy can't take anything, but the enemy can accept whatever you choose to forfeit, whatever you will be tricked into giving. For example, not every pain you feel is the enemy. Sickness is not necessarily an attack of the enemy. Doubting God's goodness, oh, that could be the enemy. I'm sick. That doesn't necessarily mean it's from God or it's from the enemy. You don't know. But, but doubting God's goodness, that's where the attack of the enemy will come in. See, he'll try and trick you. Hardship is not always an attack of the enemy. Being jealous of somebody else's blessing, well, that's where the enemy gets you. Or being ungrateful, that's where the enemy gets you. Delay is not always an attack of the enemy. Wondering, why are we on Saturday nights for years and years and years? God, what is going on? Why don't we have a building yet? Been doing this for 12 years. Delay. Maybe this is just the enemy. Perhaps the temptation to help God along, to make things happen in your own strength. Guess what? That's where the enemy will get you. See, it's misdirection. He'll make you think this is the thing, but it's actually over here. The enemy will try to blind you to the truth and limit you to a human point of view. It may look like you're failing, like you're alone, like nobody sees you, like you have no hope. Ever feel like that? That's not God, that's the enemy. He'll fill your mind with darkness, fill your head with foolish ideas. You ever hear somebody talk and you're surprised that they actually believe that? Like, you serious? You serious? Like, It's become painfully evident in our society that we have lost the ability to think critically. That's the work of the enemy. When common sense is no longer common, that's the enemy. And if that doesn't work, if if all of that deception doesn't work, the enemy just moves on to another strategy. He'll try to corrupt what's good. Doesn't always... He doesn't create bad from nothing. He always starts with what's good and will corrupt it. We'll take a truth and make an idol of it. We're told the enemy disguises as an angel of light. Right? So do you have a gift? Are you good at something? Well, let's make that thing your identity. Let's take what you're good at and let's corrupt it. Let's make it everything about you is tied in your gift. Do you have a passion? Something that you just love to do? Let's make it self-serving. Let's take your passion and use it to to serve yourself. Do you have a mind? Are you smart and intelligent? Well, let's use it to take advantage of other people, to manipulate. Are you funny? Let's use that to tear others down. Are you compassionate? Let's make you feel the weight of fixing everyone so much that you harden your heart because of it. Let's just abuse that. Do you feel guilty for the wrong you've done? How about we just remove any sense of shame? I'll corrupt what's good. Do you have favor? Let's get you to take it for granted. Did you grow up in church? Let's make you religious and judgmental. Mm. Mm. Take what's good and corrupt it. Isn't that that dirty? That's so dirty. But if that doesn't work, then the enemy will just attack the weak and vulnerable places in you. If he can't deceive you and if he can't corrupt what's good, then he'll just attack the weak and vulnerable places Where can I tempt you to violate your conscience, to make you feel awful about yourself? Let's leverage that shame and guilt to act like Adam and Eve, and let's get you to hide from God. Let's get you to run from God because of all the things you've done. Isolate you from his help because you know what? Anytime you isolate from God, it leads to death. With God, life. Away from God, death. Simple principle of life. 
God is life. Anything away from God is death. Isolate, it leads to death. Are you vulnerable? Let's oppress you and make you wonder why God doesn't help. Do you have sincere questions? Let's confuse you and make it seem unanswerable. Have you been hurt? Let's feed that anger, plant some bitterness, unforgiveness in your heart. Do you feel insecure? How about we place you in a society that craves attention and approval? Or better yet, let's get the crowd just to push against you, and, and you're going to have to go against the flow if you're going to want to do what's right. Are you weak? Let's get you to abandon self-control, to live reckless. If you have a difficult past, let's accuse you and remind you of your failures and sin. Let's tell you God couldn't possibly love you. Let's just attack those weak places. Oh, man, this I'm telling you, enemy's dirty. Dirty. You know what the rules are? There are no rules. Whatever it takes. The enemy says, if that doesn't work, how about we just turn our attention to yourself? I'll just get you to focus on you. Make you desperate to get what you want. Make you jealous for what you don't have. Inflate your ego. Make you proud. To serve yourself above all. To tempt you to abuse your power and leverage it for your own good. That's where violence and cruelty and hate and abusive relationships come from. That's where manipulation comes from. The enemy will do whatever it takes to cause us to separate from God. I told you it was going to be great. Right? Are you encouraged yet? So glad you came back to church. This is so good. So what do we do with all this? Is there any hope against an enemy like that, an enemy we can't see, an enemy that has power, an enemy that is shrewd, an enemy that has multiple strategies on multiple levels? I don't know where the enemy's coming from. I don't know how they're going to attack, but they know everything about me. What do we do? How do we move forward? Tell me, this is where it gets good. You ready for it to get good? Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. It's a promise. I'm telling you, it's going to be good. Ready? Here we go. You might stand up. It's okay. Can anything, can anything, anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are being killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Oh, here comes. It's getting better. And I am convinced, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Here, ready? Let's list it. Neither death nor life. Neither angels nor nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the, what, powers of hell can separate us from God's love. What's the enemy's one goal? Separate you from God's love. Guess what? It can't do it. It cannot separate you from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. No power. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able, never, ever be able to separate you from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can we just clap for that? Come on. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Isn't that good news? We have an enemy. 
That's why this can get tough sometimes being in relationship with God. But nothing can ever separate us from God's love. That enemy is powerless when we stand with Jesus. The devil is defeated. Now, not yet fully, but he will be. Overwhelming victory is ours. Nothing has the power to separate you from God if you don't want it to. And that's where it now begins to come home. So what do we do with this? What are our action steps? Like if that's the case, what do we do? Aside from knowing that, we've been briefed. We understand the information. Now what? Now what? So let's go back to that Peter passage, 1 Peter 5.8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Stay alert. So I saw this video. I was going to show it, and I, I, I didn't I have it on my phone, so I can, if you, I can show if you want to see it and just do it like this. But um, Elon Musk had a meeting somewhere in the U.S. this past week. And uh, if you don't know who he is, he's the guy who's in charge of Tesla and SpaceX and some other things, and he owns Twitter. Um, and he was walking out of a building into his waiting car, and there are security guards escorting him out. If you haven't seen the video, go watch. the. It's these guys. They're like this. I mean, they're machines. They are, they are, I mean, they are, they're like, they're like literally like vibrating with energy as they're looking all around. These guys are, they, I mean, the intensity in their faces, you can feel it. You can feel it. And there's like multiple guys and then he gets in the car and he drives away and they're still looking. They're looking down the street. They're look, they're like they're stay alert. Stay alert. It's not not a fearful thing. But don't be unaware. Just because you can't see it, don't get complacent. Don't get to a place where you say, I can't see those enemies. I know there's like spiritual stuff going on, but God's got it. I'm not worried about it. No, let me tell you, you do that, you're going to get okie doked. It's going to happen. Because guess what? If you're not alert, your enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion. You want to do something else fun? Just go on YouTube and Google and just search for lions hunting. You want to see some intensity there? Oh. I mean, when you see a lion, like, oh, boy. Like, yeah. I mean, my wife's saying, we shouldn't want to do safaris. She's like, I don't want to see a lion, even from, from the, the, the Jeep. And, uh, nope, nope, because I don't trust them. They jump up on there like, I mean, lions are no joke. Stay alert. Watch for the enemy. Don't be unaware. Refuse to forfeit all the good God has given you. He's given you all this stuff, but don't get lazy. And then here we go. James chapter 4, verse 7. Second thing you can do. Stay alert to humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist. This is a resistance Faith is a resistance. It's a choice to say, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to do those things. It's a promise. If you resist, the enemy has to leave. Isn't that a great promise? Don't you wish that with like some people? Like I just say no, and you have to go away. I just say no. You're gone. That's it. Be gone from my presence. No, but that works with the devil. 
Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We're told at the mention of Jesus' name, the enemy flees. It runs away, turns tail and skedaddles. So here's what you need to do. Be alert. Very simply, resist. Refuse to give in. Every day, God, help me. Help me. We talked about this last week. If you didn't hear about it, you can go back and listen. You can read it. God's given us armor. God said, here's the armor of God. I'm giving you this armor, things like faith and peace and truth and a compass to know what's right. I've given you my word. I've given you all this stuff. And here's the deal, right? If God gives you armor, do you think you should put it on? He's saying you're going to need this. You're going to need it. Right, like your grandmother who says, take an umbrella. You go, it's not going to rain, and then it's cats and dogs, right? I should have listened to grandma. You should listen to God. He says, you need this armor. I'm giving it to you. Cling to faith. Cling to truth. Know my word. When you know what's right, I've put a compass inside you that tells you this is what's right, and that is what's wrong. Do what's right. Do those things. When you do those things, you will be totally prepared for an enemy who comes from every direction that you can't see. God has given us everything we need to win. All you have to do is wake up and be ready. Stay on your toes and walk with God fully peaceful. The enemy can't take anything from you as long as you're aware. But if you're not aware, we'll get, we'll get suckered. And then here's the best part. This is is my favorite part of it all. Ready? Romans chapter 5, verse 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. You've heard of unintended consequences? Like something you're doing something and other things happen because of the decision you made but you didn't expect that? Well, guess what? That works for good, too. See, every time the enemy attacks you is actually an opportunity for you to grow, for you to get stronger. So the things that are intended to bring you down, to destroy you, to separate from you from God, actually can be the very material needed to help you grow in your relationship with God. How, how good is God? He flips it on the devil. He says, hey, you want to attack my people? That's great. Every time you do it, it's going to make them stronger with me. Keep going. Keep it coming. Rejoice when you get attacked. Rejoice when you run into problems and trials. Rejoice when life is tough. It's hard. We're like, wouldn't, God, why couldn't you just make this all easy? Right? It's not the way it works. He says this. Rejoice when you go through those trials because it makes you come closer to me. It ultimately strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And what what is salvation? We said that is winning, right? Did we win? We talked about this. Did we win? At the end of the day, that's the question we're going to ask. Did we win? And winning means are we saved? Do we get that eternal life? We have it now, not yet fully. It's a promise. Every time the enemy attacks and you overcome it, you hold the faith declare truth, stand still in peace, doing what you know is right, recall the word of God, express gratitude for your now not yet fully salvation. Every time you do that, you get stronger. Anybody a reader, you read Malcolm Gladwell, if anybody's ever read Malcolm Gladwell books, 
in uh, his book, David and Goliath, it's, it's not necessarily a Bible book. He talks about that story. He talks about a number of stories, but usually it's about underdogs and, over, you know, and these people who are, you know, and I was going to say overdogs, but that's not a thing. Again, it's Sunday morning. I'm still getting used to this. But in the book, David and Goliath, he talked about when the Germans invaded during the London Blitz, when they tried to bomb out London to, to defeat the city and get people to give in and, and, and just surrender. Right? So the Germans are bombing London, and they found this incredible dynamic happening that the more they bombed, that the people who weren't killed, instead of being shell-shocked and, and hiding, it actually emboldened them. They called them near misses. That people, like, listen, I took a grenade and I survived. Okay, then, shoot more. Here I come, right? Like, if you come at me with this stuff and you don't take me out, you better watch out because you've only made me stronger. And that's exactly what is going on here. When the enemy comes at you, we get to decide what happens? We either give in, or if we don't, oh man, I stand a little taller. I get a little stronger. You don't want to mess with me. Not only has God given us everything we need to win, he's told us everything we need to know. How good is God? I'm going to call the band back up. We're just going gonna, gonna to close in a moment with a song, but I want to encourage you with this. The enemy is real. And our God is bigger. Our God is bigger. Right? Jesus says, the enemy is a strong man. He says, the only way to defeat a strong man is if someone even stronger shows up. Next week, that's what we're going to talk about. We've talked about knowing our enemy. Well, next week we're going to talk about knowing our commander-in-chief. Knowing who our God is. The enemy is real, our God is bigger, and if we stay alert, not only will we have what it takes to resist the enemy, but we'll be free to help those around us fight too. See, that's the thing. We're not alone in this. It's not just about us making it through this world. Does it look like our world could use some help? Do you know people that are getting attacked by an enemy that they can't see and they don't seem to be equipped to handle it? Can you think of somebody right now who's going through a tough time mentally, relationally, emotionally, physically? Life's been hard. The solution for all of us, for all of us to win means a relationship with God. That's the key to life. There is nothing more winning than a relationship with God. But there are people who have yet to receive that because they have an enemy that they do not understand that tries to keep them from that. Scriptures talk about it. The seed is scattered. But there are people that come and snatch it up. It tells us the enemy plants thorns to choke it out. The sun beats down on it. It's a difficult, difficult thing. The enemy tries to keep people from God. But we, as people of faith, we know now. We've, we've got all the information. And we get to expose the enemy for the deceiver, the liar, 
the evil that he is and say, hey, let me introduce you to a good God who will keep you safe all the way through. See, it's not just for us. When the only way for us to win is if we all win. It's not just about us. We do this corporately, communally, together. So I just want you to think about that this week. Be alert. Stay connected to God. Whatever God has for you, trust in him. Look to him. Resist. And let's be the people that God has called us to be. Would you close your eyes as we just pray for a moment? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness, for your great love for us. Lord, this is proof that you love us, that you gave us so much information about our enemy. You were not willing to send us out into battle unaware. Not only have you told us about the enemy, you've outfitted us with armor. You go with us yourself. It's almost like you've done everything for us. And all we got to do is trust you for it. How good are you, God? I just want to pray for you right now. If you're here, if you're watching, and you feel like the attacks have just been constant, you feel weary, and you need to say, God, I need, I need your help. I need your strength today. God, I feel like I have allowed the enemy. I have forfeited things to the enemy. I've given to the enemy more than I should. God, I want to reclaim. I want to take back what the enemy took from me. Lord, I want to stand strong again in you. I don't want to feel weak and vulnerable anymore, God. I want to feel strong in you and protected in you. God, I want to be in relationship with you again in that vibrant way. If that's you, I just want you to, would you just raise your hand and say, God, that's me. God, that's me. God, would you look around this room? God, see us. See our hearts. God, would you just meet us where we are right now? Maybe for the first time, we're starting a relationship with you. God, maybe we're coming back to you after some time wandering. Wherever we find ourselves, you are always waiting with open arms. How good are you? Thank you, Lord. We give you all the praise today.